This is KMTT, and this is Ezra Beck, and this is the weekly shiur on Parshat HaShavua. This week's parsha, Parshat Ruma. I want to begin with something which I think everybody knows. It's a very common and true <laughs> vote from the beginning of the parsha, Pasuk, which is, for one Pasuk, it's the most important Pasuk in the entire saga of building the Mishkan. After God tells Moshe Rabbeinu to collect a teruma, a donation from the Jews. He tells them what to collect. Tchelat agaman, tolat shani, sheish vizim, arot elim, modamim, arot chashim aseish itim, shemen amaor, b'savim shemen ishkal, k'torat lamim, avni shom, avni miluim, laifot belachoshen. Pasuk chet, v'asuli mikdash, v'shachanti b'tocham. And they shall build me a, a temple, a sanctuary, and I shall dwell in their midst. I'm sure everyone has heard. I'm repeating it merely so that I can continue. The Pasuk says, the Jews are commanded to build a temple, a holy, a holy place for God, and I will dwell, God says, in their midst. It doesn't say, build me a temple and I will dwell in it but I will dwell in their midst. Now it's true, it says I build a temple, but later on, uh, this building is called the Mishkan, which is the same word as Vishachanti. They shall build me a dwelling, and I shall dwell in their midst. And therefore, we, we immediately derive that in the end, the final, the final line, the bottom line, God dwells not in the physical building called the temple or the tent or the tabernacle, the Mishkan. But God dwells in the midst of Am Yisrael, in the body of Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish people. Which is a very, very, very important point. Now, to some extent, uh, there's a, uh, this is based on the well-known uh, controversy between the Ramban and Rashi, and many, many other Mephashim, as to what is the uh, temporal order of Matan Torah, Cheta Egel, which we haven't read yet, and the building of the Mishkan. In terms of the Psukim, the command to build the Mishkan precedes the Cheta Egel. Cheta Egel took place 40 days after Matan Torah. Now, in terms of the story, it's hard to know exactly when God said to Moshe, speak to B'nai Yisrael to build me a Mishkan, because Moshe Rabbeinu, very shortly after Matan Torah, went back up for 40 days up the, up the mountain, spent 40 days in, in the cloud with God. So when were they discussing this particular passion? When did, God, when did, they, when did Moshe tell B'nai Yisrael to do this passion? So there's some of us who think this whole passion took place after the Ego. And some of Hashem say it took place before the Egel. The question really comes down to, is the building of the Mishkan l'chatchila? Is it a desiradatum in its own? Is it something which is part of the plan? That God, the Bnei Yisrael, should receive the Torah, build a Mishkan, go to Eretz Yisrael, build a Mikdash? Or is this somehow a reaction to the failure of the sin of the golden calf? But, according to the second opinion, the original plan was Bishachanti B'tocham. They, uh, they would receive the Torah on Har Sinai and God would be in their midst. Avisar would be the, uh, 
the embodiment or the, the receptacle for God's presence in the world. Um, so if the second opinion is correct, then here the understanding is the plan is still in effect, ultimately, but given the fact that the Jews found it difficult to exist without physical representation, that's why they built the ego, that's why they built the golden calf, because it was difficult for them to live with the, the invisible God and his basically invisible presence. Uh, not a not a uh, scientifically measured kind of presence. So therefore God says, okay, build a temple, but I'll still dwell in your midst, but it'll give you something to focus on. Whereas according to the opinion that this is lechatchila, uh, that the the Mishkan is the direct continuation of Hasinai, as the Ramban learns, uh, then the Pasuk is more, is more striking. It says that, no, no, this is what you have to do. You have to build a temple, but then I'll dwell in your midst. So the way everyone always explains it is that, of course, okay, there's a difference, there's a, there's a certain plan here, but ultimately, God is found in our hearts, God is found in our souls, God is found in our actions, and the temple itself cannot, cannot uh, contain God. As Shlomo HaMelech said, when he built the temple, the ultimate temple in Yerushalayim, in the times of Shlomo HaMelech, and when he did the Chanukah Shabbat, when he actually finished it, and then he turned to God in Tzvidah and he said, The sky, the heavens and the heavens' heavens cannot hold you, cannot contain you. And this house, can this small, teeny little house that I built, is that going to be where you're going? He asked us a question. Is this going to be where you're going to, to be found? Presumably the answer is yes, but nonetheless he expressed his astonishment we can't, ultimately we can't say that God is found in a, in, a, in, a, in a building. The whole world is not a suitable dwelling for God. Uh, so the answer is that yeah, God is not found in a, in a constrained building. He's found within the Jewish people himself. Okay, I, want to, I want to develop and try to understand this idea, specifically in context of the Pasuk, but also understanding how, how it actually makes sense. At first glance, all my life when I was familiar with this, the, the, the import of this Pasuk, b'tocham. So I always stress this to myself and to others, how ultimately Kedusha, Shechina, the indwelling of God, God's sanctity, is, is an Amisa. The words of Chazal, Tzadikim Merkavala Shechina. The, the pious, the righteous, are the vehicle for the indwelling of God. The chariot of God's presence in the world is Amisol, or the tzaddikim of Amisol, doing mitzvahs, worshipping God. That, that's where God is found. So why is there a Mishkan? So why are they told to build a Mishkan? So, like I said before, according to Rashi, as opposed to the Maman, but even according to the Maman, our understanding of Yiddishkeit is that we don't over spiritualize it. We're human beings living in the real world. And so we need to have um, physical foci. That's why the Torah emphasizes so often, do not make an image of God. Because we need to do it. So there's a line drawn. We have buildings, but they're empty. In other words, there's no, basically they're empty. There's no statue in the building. Because if there be a statue in the building, you would actually think the statue was God. But in order to focus, and many Mufashim say this about 
about Habibayat, about the Mikdash. In order for the Jews to have a place to focus, they need to say, I'm living over here, but, but there's a hill, there's a mountain, and on the mountain there's a temple, and, and that's where we face. That's where we, we whenever we daven, even today when we daven, we, we face Harabayat, we face Kodesh HaKodeshim, we face the Beit HaMikdash. Because uh, that's the way we are. We, we're living in the real world. We're not, uh, we're not souls communing with God. We're not only souls communing with God. Um, so it's basically perhaps psychological or maybe even more than just merely psychological. It's, it's part of the plan to live in the real world. And therefore you have to build things in the real world. But the purpose, the purpose really is that our soul should be the receptacle for God in this world. The question that arises, if that's true, then why the incredible detail of Pashat Teruma and Pashat Tetzaveh? The this this week's parsha, the reason why so many people are not fully alert when listening to Kriyata Torah of this week's parsha, is precisely because it consists of very very minute details how the Mishkan should be built. If the Mishkan only serves, it's not even it's not the main it's not the main point. It merely serves as a way of of focusing us in a certain direction. And I know everything in the Torah contains details, but here there's really an excess, there's more details than in most. As the very next Pasuk says, Kechol, Asher Ani Mare Otcha, Eit Tavnit HaMishkan, Ve'eit Tavnit Kol Kelav, Ve'chein Tasu, You should make the Mikdash exactly as I show you, God is speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu, as I show you, the image that I show you of the Mishkan and of its utensils, that's how you have to do. And then followed. Asu Aron Asayshitim. Amatay Mechitzi Oko. Amabachitzi Rochpo. Amabachitzi Komato. It has very exact dimensions. And very exact design. And you have to do it that way. And the, the Chazal comment on this Pasuk. Echol Asher. Ani Mare Otchal. Moshe Rabbeinu had difficulty understanding the architectural plans. And therefore God showed him an actual model. So that his imagination could actually wrap around the exact details of how it's done. And later on, God says to Moshe, as I showed you on the mountain, that's how it has to be done. If it's merely to help us concentrate, then, then the exact details shouldn't make that much of a difference. Maybe certain important general details, it should be big, it should be large. If I tell you how to build a shul, it's important to have a shul. You can daven anywhere. But it's important for us that we have a place which is special for davening. That's where we make a shul. But Beit Knesset, Beit HaMikdash, serve the same purpose. But I don't tell you how to build a shul exactly. It's certain basic details. It should be around Kodesh. It should be a bima in the middle. I mean, I'm not saying that no details make sense. But Pashat Ruma is really excessive. It's really extremely finely detailed. And as we'll see in a few minutes, Rashi says, it's, it's also la'akev. You have to do it exactly like I told you. So if there's some importance in the Mishkan for itself, so to speak, God really needs a home or it has some other deeper meaning or whatever explanation you'll give. Okay, so then everything has meaning. Like like many misfot in the Torah. But if it's merely to get us to realize that we're the Mishkan, that we're the receptacle of God, so it does seem that the Torah put in an awful lot of effort laying down minute architectural plans where the architecture itself is not the main is not the main goal. So first, let me explain what I think the connection is between making a mikdash and shachati betocha. 
And first glance, you can understand one of two things. I can understand, Basuri Mikdash V'shachanti Betocha. God says, for whatever reason, that He wants there should be a house for God. And then He promises to be in that house. I didn't have metaphysical problems how that's done. I'm a metaphysician. I, I learned too much philosophy. It can be done. So if God had said that, that would be okay. If he'd gone directly to the humanistic, religious opposite, I'd understand it. I understand it better. It's more close to my religious ideology. God says, you, you Jews, be a mamlechet. Be an Am Kadosh. Be a Goy Kadosh. Be a holy people and I will dwell in your midst. I don't understand that. But what you're trying to understand is the combination. Vasuli Mikdash. Build me a very specific house, tabernacle, tent, something. And then I'm going to ignore it. Then I'll, then I'll be dwelling in your midst. What's the connection between the two? Some people get to do, this, to do the two of them. There appears to be if you make me a mikdash, I will dwell in your midst. The building of mikdash is the way to get God to dwell in our midst. How is that done? So I think the answer is clear. But it's not always easy to understand. It's clear to me, and I also sometimes lose track of what I'm about to say. So I'm asking you to listen carefully and to try to actively ingest and digest and digest the idea. The actual repository for Shekhinah Hashem Ba'olam the place where God is found in this world is not the Mikdash as a building and not you not the Jewish people as a, as, as, as a different kind of existing home as a, one that's made out of flesh and blood Asuli Mikdash B'Shachanti B'Tocham if you are actively building the Mia Mikdash, then I dwell in those who are making the Mikdash. In other words, it's not that the Jewish people is where God lives. Shlomo Melech's question is unanswerable. God is not found in a limited or limiting place. Another expression of Chazal. Why is God called? And Chazal used this phrase as a matter of speech. We, we've stopped doing it. Hamakom. The only thing, the only place I think in modern Jewish life where God is called Hamakom is in the expression of Hamakom Yenachem Chabetoch Shara V'Yitzon Yerushalayim. Interestingly enough, Chazal explained that God is called the place because He's not in a place; He is the place. He is the place of the world, and the world is not His place. God can't be in anything. That's what Shlomo Melech asked. That's really a good question. And the answer is not, okay, he's not found in a house, but he's found in Jewish people. Jewish people are also people. They're also things. They're also only six feet tall, a foot and a half wide, a foot and a half deep. Altogether, multiply that by 600,000, it's still only a place, a limited place, a finite place. God isn't found in the person He's found in the activity. The Jewish people building a mikdash, striving to come close to God, the action, the process, the ascent, 
the transcendence, climbing up the mountain to God, that is B'Shachanti B'Tocham. God dwells in our coming close to Him. Not in us, but in our coming close to Him. In our activity, or in our, our, our being active, with people who are active, that's where God is found. And not merely, you are you, I'm inside you, I'm with you. And that's the meaning, Asuli Mikdash, you will make in the world a place which is appropriate for God to be, which will be special, which will be dedicated to the worship of God. You're building the Mikdash, is the Shachanti B'tocham. In other words, if the Mikdash would simply exist, let's say uh, God said, I'm, I'm going to live on the top of the mountain. You know, uh, Greek gods lived on top of a mountain. So God would say, Tishma Yehudim, uh, let's agree that I'm going to live on top of the mountain and I will live in your place. And, and, or you, or be, you, you'll, you'll, you'll appoint this place to be where I can live. I don't need walls. Uh, you Jews, make this place, declare it, sanctuary to God, and I will live, I will live in your midst. Wouldn't work. That doesn't make any sense. Why would it work? If the mountain is the place of God, then why is it in your midst? And if he's in your midst, what does he need the mountain for? Va'asuli mikdash, you're going to sweat. You're going to work really hard. The sweat that you're, that you're exuding, the, 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 the effort that you're making, that is where God, God exists. So it's asuli mikdash, b'shachanti betocham, which explains why the mikdash had to be built by all the Jews. Physically, it would be difficult. They couldn't all do the work, but they all could pay for it. And that's why this pasha begins with, v'yikhuli teruma. Everyone should donate. And it includes also the unusual grammatical form which Rashi comments on, which everybody comments on. V'yikhuli, they should take to me. Should be v'yikhulahem, or mayhem. What does it mean to take to somebody? But I think, among other things, among the number, number of answers, but among other things, it means this, it's v'yikhu, Rashi says v'yikhuli lishmi. That they're not, they're not just buying a place. They're not buying a, like, like you buy a seat in shul. They're not buying a place in the, in the Mishkan. The donation is an action of dedication. The donation is itself building. Because the Yikhuli, we take it in God's name, we take it for God, so we're, we're working already for God. We're doing things for Hashem in the world. We're looking, the people who are donating the money are beginning to do the work of finding a place for God in the world. That effort in this case, by all the Jews, means that God promises and I will dwell in your midst. What I'm saying in, in, in short is something that's called uh, in, in philosophy, non-Jewish philosophy, is called process philosophy rather than state philosophy. In other words, it's not that certain things have value, but the process of going from A to B is where the value is, 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 where the value is found. In this case, the process of working on the mikdash creates an infinite, an infinitely valuable or infinitely large dwelling for God. God can fit into the people working 
to come close to God rather than to fit into simply a person or simply a place or simply or simply a building. And now I repeat my question. So why is the Mishkan so incredibly detailed? Still, I'm still saying that you have to, you have to, the Mishkan isn't important. What's important is that we're building it. So what difference does it make what we build? We could build a big Mishkan, a small Mishkan. We could build a red Mishkan, a blue Mishkan. The main thing is that we're building. When we're building, God will be with us. So here there's a very, 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 very important point. Before I use the word humanistic, Judaism is not a humanism. It's not that if you work hard, it doesn't make a difference what, then that has value. If it has value, then it has sanctity. If it has sanctity, then God is, then, then, then God is in it. And that's not the point. What has value here is not moving or working, but working for God. It's not moving, but ascending the mountain of God. Excuse my smartphone. Um, if a person builds a home as he understands it, if he builds a home for himself, that's very nice, but that's not, that's not a mishkan for Melech Machayam Lachim. Because it's not, it's not of infinite size. It's not of infinite value. What makes our efforts of infinite value is that they are to God, for God, to be like God. B'Tselem Elohim. Lakum miyakum miyaleh bahar Hashem. The Rav once said, Rav Salavechik once said, he asked, why is it that Har Sinai today has no sanctity, but Har HaMoriah, the mountain in Yerushalayim, even though the Mishkan, even though the Mikdash is destroyed, still has its sanctity. Kitshah l'sha'ata b'kitshah l'atid lavo. The Rav actually asked this question, he doesn't ask that question, he asks why the Havabayit, Mount Moriah, still has Kedushah. The Rav answered that Har Sinai was sanctified by God coming down on it. Har Abayit was sanctified by the Jews climbing up it. And also building the Beit HaMikdash. And also by, by human activity. If God descends on the mountain, when He leaves, it's gone. But when we build something, even when the thing we built is destroyed... So our efforts remain. But it's only because we were ascending the mountain, aliyah l'regel, coming close to God, you don't get to the heavens, you only get to the uh, 750 meters that the, uh, the top of Haramoriah is above sea level. But the walking up climbing towards the heaven, that has infinite value. And so it's only true if we're trying to get to God. It has to be God's design that's important. To the extent that I make up, I say, I I think it would be good to have a menorah over here. Or maybe we should have a plaque on the wall of Beit HaMikdash which would say, whatever. Uh, maybe we should have a neotamid. Maybe we should have uh, interesting pews or a nice carpet. 
Those are all wonderful ideas. But the effort you expend in that is not Miyadeh Bahav Hashem. And so here, specifically, because we're talking about how the Shekhinah will exist in Amisal, it's true it's human effort that makes it possible. It's not that God simply places His Shekhinah. The Shekhinah is, we, we, we place the Shekhinah, so to speak. We make the receptacle for the Shekhinah. But the receptacle that we make for the Shekhinah is our effort to make God's house. It's our effort to be Bashamayim, to be in heaven. It's our effort to climb the mountain all the way up to, to Har Hashem. Gemara in Yomah says, G'dolat Shuvah Shemigiyah Ad Kisei HaKavod. The action of coming close to God is measured or is dependent on the fact that it's Ad Kisei HaKavod. You're coming close to God by becoming closer to the, the actual throne of God, which is Bashamayim Ubishmeya Shamayim Ashaloya Kalkalucha, which is in the heavens of the heavens of the heavens. So here it's Asuli Mikdash as as I think it should be, says God, and you dedicate yourself to something which is greater than you, not always understood by you. It's beyond you, but you're nonetheless able or you're trying to reach it. You're trying to reach above yourself, to transcend yourselves. According to my dictate, not according to what you know, which is what you are, but according to what I dictate, which is what you can be in the future, you dedicate yourself to the infinite future, that dedication to the infinite future is itself a kind of infinity. And that explains the following verse. You should make me, because this is how Rashi explains it. But now continuation. You should make me Yigdash Kechol. It was interrupted by Veshachanti Betocham, but Asuli Mikdash, the verb is, you should make me a Mishkan. Now, according to the plan that I show you, and according to the plan of the, uh, of the Mishkan, and according to the plan of the utensils. In other words, if you do it that way, then it's Veshachanti Betocham. And then it says Vechain Tasu. So Rashi is concerned. It says, you should make the Mishkan the way I showed you. And that's how you should do it. Why does it say, and that's how you should do it? He already said it once. Make the Mishkan as according to the plans which I am showing you. That's how you should do it. V'chein tasu. Do it that way. It's totally redundant, this thing. So Rashi has an explanation which says that V'chein tasu means lidorot. Make the Mishkan as I showed you, but later on when you make the, make the Mikdash, use the same plans. He's trying to explain why it says V'chein tasu. The Ramban doesn't understand that. He doesn't think it's even true. Ramban questions whether or not, in fact, the plants for the Beit Mikdash were the same plants as of the Mishkan. Many things were bigger or different sizes, and there, there are differences. Ramban proves there are differences. So that it's not, Bechein Tasu doesn't mean and do it again a second time. So Ramban claims it's just a figure of speech. The question wasn't a good question. If I was, it, it's a ziguz, it's, a, it's an emphasis. Do it the way I showed you, that's the way you should do it. It's, it says the same thing twice, just to make sure you really do it. So it's very interesting. It's very, very, very important. Worthy of an extra few words, you do it exactly the way I tell you. And I'm explaining why. Because our submission to something greater than ourselves in building the Mishkan, so it's not a human house, but it's a divine house, that's what makes our efforts and our striving to do so divine striving. Striving we're worthy of, of encompassing God. 
But I think they could add another explanation. I don't know if it's Pshat. It's definitely a good drash. And I think it might be Pshat as well. V'chein Tasu, if I'm correct in what I'm saying, so it's not that if you build a Beit HaMikdash, say, a week ago, I will dwell in your midst today. God dwells in the midst of the builders. As v'asuli mikdash, v'shachanti b'tocham, v'chein ta'asu. You have to continue to build. If God is found, if sanctity is found in the striving and not in the state, not because I am a wonderful person, but because I'm a working person, then when I rest, no more shechina. No more sanctity. Once you reach a plateau and you stay there, it might be very high, but it's still only finite. I'm a great tzaddik. I'm a wonderful person. That's not, that's not a place for the Shekhinah to be. The actual state of man, any man, is uh, finite and therefore infinitely far from what God, from God and for what God needs. The step that any man takes from low to higher is where God is found. The act of repentance, the act of coming close to God is a place which is different. I presume it will be higher, more, sac- more sacred than the place where purely and perfectly righteous people exist. So therefore the Pasuk says, Asuli Mikdash, make a Mikdash for me, and I will dwell in your midst while you're doing it. V'chein ta'asu. So in Pshat, I'm not sure what that means exactly, what we're supposed to do, but in, but in Jewish, in understanding, in deep understanding it means, and, and keep on doing it. In other words, maybe in other areas. But just as you built the Mikdash, you have to be builders of Mikdash, not they who built the Mikdash, but they who are building the Mikdash. They who are building the Mikdash and this pasuk is the, the the declaration of the purpose of Matan Torah and the coming to Eretz Yisrael. I'm going to give you the Torah. I'm going to leave. I'm leaving Hasinai. I'm going back to the Shammai. I'm going back to heavens. Leaving you with the Torah. But you now will begin to be active enshriners of God in the world, active supporters, active chariots to carry the glory of God in the world. First step is to build a palace, to build a shrine, to build a temple for God. Not because God needs a temple. He needs people who are building for Him. And this idea will and should and must uh, be exhibited, must uh, influence, must must be the meaning and the life breath of your actions in the future. Because so long as you are doing the same kind of thing, then then God dwells in our midst. Shabbat Shalom.